It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported 30 new coronavirus cases from Friday to Sunday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. These new cases bring the community's seven-day case rate to 143, keeping Sitka in high alert. As of Friday, 28 of those cases were associated with the Sitka School District. Statewide, Alaska is seeing a steady uptick in positive cases, with every borough except for Skagway in a high alert level. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 1,970 cases, 29 hospitalizations, and six deaths. Statistically speaking, Alaska is leading a race most residents would rather not win. As of January 27th, Alaska had more new COVID-19 infections per capita than any other state. Health officials are concerned about the wave. There are a lot of sick people in Alaska, but there is room for hope, too. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. With almost 30,000 cases in just the last two weeks, Alaska has had more infections per 100,000 residents than the other contenders, namely Oklahoma and Washington State. But since the emergence of the Omicron variant in South Africa last year, the latest wave of infections to sweep the country has generally been east to west, and Alaska is peaking just as cases on the eastern seaboard subside. It's not all bad news, however. The state's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, told reporters last week that Alaska was hit harder than most other states by the Delta spike last year, which makes weathering the Omicron surge a bit easier. Unfortunately, we had a bad Delta surge here uh, in this state. And what happened was, you know, the team got really good at being able to put in a lot of cases quickly and being able to get them up and out to the public quickly. The healthcare sector started to meet on a regular basis. The crisis care committee started to meet. We figured out how to get additional nurses. And some of the other states are just really being hit by that with the Omicron variant in the same way. And so they are very much underwater trying to figure out how to respond. There also isn't the same atmosphere of crisis around the Omicron surge as compared to Delta last year, when Alaska's hospitals quickly filled up and seriously ill or injured patients were forced to spend long hours in emergency departments waiting for beds to open up. Currently, just 12 percent of the state's hospital beds are taken by COVID patients, and many of those patients are not as ill as they were during Delta. That is very different than the conversations we were having, you know, last fall, thinking about, and we can't transfer patients in or we don't have dialysis. Right now, really staffing is the limitation. And with Omicron, we're just seeing a lot of outpatients, a lot of ED patients, but we're not seeing that same length of stay and some of the really significant ICU limitations that we saw before. So from a hospital capacity standpoint, even with our high numbers, this feels very different and hospitals uh, are able to respond Uh, really well at this point. The Alaska Department of Health and Social Services has been operating under a public health emergency order since April of last year. Although it's far too premature to rescind that order, the head of Alaska's infectious disease program, Dr. Louisa Casterdale, says health officials are already preparing to move COVID-19 into another phase as an endemic disease to be managed like influenza, for example. What we're trying to do now is also learn as we're sort of integrating and also figuring out what resources are because, you know, there isn't a blank check forever. Um, I think we also need to figure out what were the things that we did really well with COVID or that we learned from COVID or strengthened our systems with like lab reporting or with outreach and how do we integrate those into what we had been doing for public health moving forward. And when exactly will it all be over? 
State epidemiologist Dr. Joe McLaughlin says he's encouraged by what he's seeing in other parts of the world, especially South Africa, where Omicron first took off, as countries drop out of high alert. Alaska is not there yet. We will know, said McLaughlin, when the map is no longer all red. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Next week's tanner crab fishery in southeast Alaska is looking very promising. The fishery starts on February 11th, and as Angela Denning reports, the harvest and price could be historic. State crab managers haven't seen this kind of encouraging preview for southeast's tanner crab fishery for a few decades. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game has tracked the tanner population through annual surveys since the late 1990s. What we're seeing is kind of historically high levels. Joe Stratman is the lead crab manager for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game in the region. He says the numbers look like they did when the surveys first started. The abundance estimate for the fishery is 5.81 million pounds. That represents the estimated mature male crab, which is a 17 percent increase over last year. The news has fishermen eagerly preparing their boats and assembling their crews. I know uh, folks are excited to get out there and set some gear. It's not only the harvest that looks good, but also the price. What's paid for the crab could break records if it follows the trend in other fisheries. In Kodiak, Tanner brought over $8 a pound in January, which is about double what was paid last year. And Southeast's Dungeness crab fishery last summer also saw record prices at over $4 per pound. That's more than what was paid for Tanner last February, which averaged $3.37 per pound. Still, last year's Tanner fishery was worth a lot, valued at $4.26 million. It brought in nearly 1.3 million pounds of crab, which is a bit above the 10-year average. The male biomass at the biologist track includes both mature and legal-sized crab. So even though some crab are too young to be sold commercially, Stratman says it shows that the population is steady. So there's always a kind of a cohort of crab that's coming along behind the legal crab. And um, luckily in Southeast, we see that consistently in our uh, crab surveys. The length of the fishery will depend on the number of permits and pots. Fishermen have until the opening day to register. Another crab fishery is happening alongside the Tanner fishery in southeast. That's for golden king crab. The fishery is much smaller, with only 15 permits participating last year. But it's still valuable. Last year, the fishery was worth $700,000 at $11.55 per pound. The harvest, however, was well below the 10-year average at 61,000 pounds. The Golden King Crab Fishery includes seven harvest goal areas in southeast, which can be closed by managers before or during the season. The northern area is already closed this year. The total harvest goal for Goldens is 75,300 pounds for the region. That's better than last year, but still considered low. The Golden Kings are a slow-growing crab, and they don't reach maturity until eight years of age. They also don't follow annual reproduction cycles, like many other species, says Stratman. Their reproductive cycle doesn't really conform to a calendar. We think it's about 20 months. Fish and Game relies on harvest data to manage the golden fishery because they don't do surveys on the crab. Harvests have fluctuated widely since the fishery began in the 1970s. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. 
If you're in Haines and looking for an activity to spark your interest during these bleak COVID winter weeks, the Haines Library will set you up on a blind date with a due date. KHNS's Corinne Smith has more. There's a new shelf in the lobby of the Haynes Library with a series of books and movies wrapped in brown paper and a string of red and pink hearts. And they've got a little clue on them just saying what they might be about. That's Library Assistant Director Rebecca Heaton. And you check them out in the same spirit in which you would uh, check out a, or attend a blind date. You're kind of committed to a blind date. You can't just peek in the window and say, oh, no, and leave, right? So you can't get to unwrap it and just say, meh. You have to, once you've committed, you unwrap it and you read the book or you watch the movie. Like a blind date, this one is all about excitement, intrigue, and opening up to the unknown. It's a way to encourage people to maybe step out of their genre, their comfort zone, and they might discover an author that they didn't know they loved. Or a genre, they suddenly thought, oh my goodness, I'm a fantasy fan. Heaton walks around the shelf and reads a few of the clues. A merry war of words. That sounds fun. I bet that one's playful. Class struggle and romance. So those are movies, and then some of our books. Friendship faces adversity in war. Oh my. Heaton says library staff came up with the selection, meant for young adults and older, based on variety and appeal. Things that are interesting that people might have missed. They're um, maybe old enough that they've kind of slid under the radar for a while. Maybe it's time to bring them back up again. But we definitely were looking for high interest stuff. After the date, people are encouraged to write a review and enter to win a raffle. And then once they read it, inside is a, there's a little bookmark, a complimentary bookmark. And then there's a, uh, a slip where they rate their date. And what it says, you'll love it first sight, you know, it grew on me, you know, that kind of stuff. And you put your name on it, contact information, drop it in a jar at the front desk, and we have a drawing for fabulous prizes. It's chocolate. And although it may seem in the spirit of Valentine's Day, blind dates will be available through the entire month of February. In Haines, I'm Corinne Smith. Taking a look at the community calendar. All are invited to celebrate Valentine's Day by going on a blind date with a book from the Sitka Public Library. Gift wrap books for all ages are on display at the library through February 28th, where readers can read the clues, choose a book, and check it out. For more information on the adult portion, email margo.oconnell at cityofsitka.org. For information on the youth portion, email maite.lorente at cityofsitka.org. Or for any of them, call the library, 907-747-4020. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.